and I don't even want a boyfriend, so. What do you want? I just want someone who wants to hang out all the time and thinks I'm the best person in the world and wants to have sex with only me. And it makes me feel very stupid to tell you this because it makes me sound like a girl who wants to like go to brunch and I really don't want to go to brunch and I don't want you to like sit on the couch while I shop or like even meet my friends. Hello, it's another episode of Girls Girls with Sarah Beth, my co-host, and this is Rourke. Hello. I really struggle with this episode. (laughs) Yeah, I had a lot of like cringe, you know, that third party cringe feeling like if you're watching something utterly embarrassing and that was me the whole episode trying desperately to keep myself from fast forwarding. That's why I think I'm not a rewatcher of The Office because cringe humor doesn't really do it for me. I also think my phone has trained me to have no patience when looking at something. So now I straight up fast forward anything that bothers me, which is why when I watched Bridgerton, I missed an incomplete like plot thread. Because there were certain characters I hated. So I just fast forwarded through all of it. And then I was like, who are these people? And it's like, oh, because you skipped a third of the story. That's how I watch 90 Day Fiance. Because I think some couples are more interesting than others. Well, that's different because none of those plots really require much brain work to follow. Definitely not. Definitely not. (laughs) Anyway, so I find this a hard episode to watch because of the end. Because I also wonder how realistic that part is but we'll get there Mm -hmm. anyway how how are you feeling about the show now four episodes four episodes in i think it still holds up um i felt like i feel i feel like it's a good show in that it it still feels very current uh it doesn't feel dated in the ways i was expecting it to feel dated like when you watch friends there's a lot of humor that is very dated particularly around like ross's first marriage and his partner and then a lot of the jokes about like chandler being gay and you're like well he probably was gay but they couldn't do that so (laughs) yeah that you know that's what that is but for this i i do feel you could if you swap out the blackberries for the latest iphone i'm not sure i would know that it was set how how long ago 10 years ago you know so 10 and change but yeah, so, okay, sorry for not starting in our typical, typical fashion. This is episode four, Hannah's Diary. Adam sends Hannah a quote-unquote sext message that puts her in a tailspin. Meanwhile, Hannah's boss gets touchy at her office job. Shoshana reunites with a boy from sleepaway camp, and Jessa gets distracted while watching her charges. So they're just sort of marching through each girl, except obviously Marnie, and that obviously leaves out the biggest kind of plot like the a plot of this right which is yeah the snooping the finding of hannah's diary and kind of the fallout from that but you know we can begin at the beginning black screen we hear the ding of a text message and have you ever have you ever set a text message tone to a particular person yes Okay, so I had a text tone for my very like long term, like my longest term relationship. And to this day, that noise triggers me. (laughs) Yes, 
That's why I stopped doing that. I can't do that again. It's horrible. No, you can't do that. I had a funny, um, this wasn't me, but my uncle was uh, in a long-term relationship with a woman and she would call him nonstop and he had the phone ring and it would ring some weird ringer. But my cousin and I were just like, whatever, I guess that's his new ringtone. It wasn't his new ringtone. It was just her calling him every five minutes. Insane. And after that, I decided I wouldn't do that because it just makes the whole thing crazy. I I feel like it's a red flag if you're setting someone as like a distinct ringtone or alert. Yeah, I do not enjoy it and I will not be doing it again. But um, Adam has sent her a dick pic Mm -hmm. and it's wearing a costume of some kind. It's very theatrical. It being HBO, we see it. And what... What do you think about the number of people Hannah shows this to? It's relatable, but inappropriate. Because if you so wrong, if you get something like that, the only thing that goes through my mind is, oh, my God, let me show all my friends. But you shouldn't because it's not it's it's a sensitive thing. Yeah. Yeah. I ever sent somebody that I would be like, never. No. But you're not, but you're not like, it's sort of costumey, right? Like he was draping it in some weird thing or that was his hair. I'm not really sure. I I was assume it was like a little fur blanket. Yeah. Okay. So whatever it is, it was. And then to boot, it wasn't for her. So I think that gave her, she gave herself permission to share it widely because he was already sharing it widely. Fair enough. I just think it's such a violation to share like nudes. 100%. It is not even of up for debate. It is wildly inappropriate and inconsiderate to share that. Yeah. But I do understand the impulse because it's sort of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I do. Yes. I that's yes. Okay. That is fair that you want to, but maybe stop yourself (laughs) and don't show it at work. Yeah, well, that workplace is not exactly mm. an HR dream. Um, so her shriek awakes Charlie and Marnie. And oh, let's also I want to talk about for a second. I'm trying to remember what I felt like watching this because were dick pics kind of modern at the or in uncharted territory at that time? Because now I feel like this would be a pretty this I think would be kind of a passe storyline. Mm. I think they must have been not new, but still relatively novel because of the iPhone was was only a couple years old. Yes. Um, And I love that moment of her taking the selfie. But because there's no front facing camera, which children, there used to not be a front facing camera. So you had to turn that thing around. Don't worry, our audience is mainly 30. I know the audience. Who am I kidding? The audience is just us. Yeah. (laughs) And my mom. (laughs) But no, so while she she has handed the phone to Charlie and, you know, there's kind of banter about this. But what I want to focus on is the sorry spelled S.R.Y. That wasn't for you. Yikes. Yeah. Is all I'm going to say. Real sad. That's really sad. That like would be gutting. I like that Charlie tries to lessen the blow by saying sorry is spelled S.R.Y. As if that's helpful and then she picks up on that she tries to use that <laughs> she, she does a call back to that yeah yeah marnie i think gives good advice here 
this is the only advice she should be following. Yeah. And she doesn't. Correct. Do not respond. And it's so fascinating to me here where this is where I think I think there I I experience attention as somebody who's in the world dating between taking people. And I think this can be we don't have to narrow it to dating, but uh, let's. You know, for these purposes, I I would like to start there because I don't know that I want to apply this to everything yet. There's a tension between reading between the lines and just trusting what people say. Mm. And Hannah tries to make this funny, really textual reading of Adam's message when Marnie says it was obviously intended for another girl. And Hannah says he doesn't say anything about another girl. And Marnie says, come on, you're smarter than that. And that it's it's an interesting it's obviously a heightened, ridiculous example of it. But it is interesting where I I know people that do that make those types of excuses that Hannah is making. Well, it doesn't fit the narrative that's living in her mind. Yes. And that's consistent with a lot of her actions, romantic and otherwise throughout the show. That's a really good point. That, yeah, she has crafted a she's crafted a story and is sticking to it. But, you know, I also think there is sort of another way to look at it that he's a little bit playing games, too. I'm he is sleeping with other people, but he could have also meant to send that to her and just wants to sort of keep her on the hook. He's put her she's still on the warming section of her uh, of his like stovetop you know she's simmering (laughs) i love that yes yeah i thought you were gonna say like the warm-up bench (laughs) oh yeah yeah that that would have been made more sense than no i like i like the i like the simmering as well back burner because to your point that second text was unnecessary like if if i was ever in his position you fucking pretend that that was for her yeah. Even if it wasn't, you just like be, lie to me better. Yeah, I think that's why I think it also is him playing games and she sort of knows it. They they are on the same page in their own dysfunctional way. Yeah. And actually, interestingly, I think a theme of this, I think a theme of this episode in particular is honesty and how hard it can be to stick up for yourself and be honest and also hear something honest coming from someone else. And if we want to take if we want to take away from his text, sorry, that wasn't for you as a semblance of honesty, then that's an honor to our to what we were, you were just saying about how she can't tell that story. She needs her other story is she can't confront that honesty right now. Yeah. Cut to her job. Oh, we somehow gotten a new job. Doesn't matter. We don't care. She's uh, there. And who wants have, this job? <laughs> no one. No one wants this job. Um, and who is this actor? Um, He's so familiar looking. His name is Richard Masser, which is funny, given he massages them. Anyway, <laughs> he does this like creepy massage of Hannah, which is, you know, as from his says, Reiki class at Club Med. As somebody who does labor and employment law, I do not recommend this. Just relax, deep breathing, relax, lean into the solar plexus or whatever. (laughs) Is it okay because he took a Reiki class? Is it okay that he took a Reiki class with his wife at club bed? (laughs) Like a cruise. (laughs) Um, So yeah, this is bad. And Hannah properly identifies it as so. 
Did you take away from it's not quite explicitly stated when she talks to the other women in the office about it. You got the impression that they're basically extorting him, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Oh, just let him touch your ass a little bit. He gave me an iPod man nano <laughs> and health insurance, like a huge range there. Arguably, the health insurance might be worth a slap on the ass, but an iPod nano ladies, let's have some standards. Seriously. And then I like when because, again, they give her a little bit of a dose of honesty, too. They tell her not to not tell her boyfriend about it because they'll get territorial And she goes, oh, well, I wouldn't even call him my boyfriend. And they go, well, that's a different thing. (laughs) (laughs) They were hysterical. I love I love those scenes. Their hatchet job on her eyebrows, though, I cannot forgive. That was truly It's very confusing. I I don't quite. That's a piece where I don't quite understand what as the writer of the show, what she was going for with that. I think I don't know. It's like they wanted her to seem like look foolish and like a clown. I don't know. I don't know, though, because there was something I don't think they were. I don't get the impression they were pranking her. No, they weren't pranking her. But in the show, I think meta, they want Mm. Hannah's character to look sort of foolish. Yes. And I think in a way it shows that she she wants to take certain advice and exclude others. Yeah. Yeah. And. Marnie, who actually, I think, gives her good advice and then obviously behaves very poorly at the end, um, is ignored. Hannah's actual friends have been telling her Adam's treating her like garbage. And it takes two ladies she's met recently, very superficially, to say, don't let this man treat you like this, but do let our boss treat you like this because he's giving my boyfriend health insurance. Because you can get something from him. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's exactly right. Yeah, I for, I forgot when she does show them the when she shows them the picture and expl- and then says, sorry, that wasn't for they originally kind of, you know, cackle in the kind of girl talk way. And then when she says, but then he said, sorry, that's not for you. They say that is fucked up. You need to leave him. They it, like they instantly. Yeah, into that. they and have their the standards. That, that is what inspires her to action. Yeah. But then Hannah calls out, isn't this like similar to how whatever his name is treats us. And they go, no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Good memory. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is totally different. (laughs) Is it, is it totally different? (laughs) No, no, that's a good point. And again, I cite back to the empowering demeaning where you are using, like you're using certain currency to get certain things and you've decided that's worth it. Um, proverbially you. And Who's to judge? I thought about when we talked about that theme, like when you brought it up in the, I think the first recording we did, and that was plain as day in this scene, that there are things that you feel empowered by that are demeaning and then things that are demeaning, but you feel empowered by. And she's playing with that theme a lot in this storyline. Yeah, I totally agree. Should we do Jessa? Yes. Ugh, I hate this storyline. So out, like blissfully out of touch. Um, the dad is so not appealing to me. So this whole thing just doesn't make sense to me. It's weird. He is gross. Yeah, so gross. I mean, if it were like Patrick Dempsey, I would be like bad news. But I understand this. Yeah. I do not understand. Speaking of, do you follow Martha Stewart on Instagram? Oh, Thirsting after Patrick Dempsey. Okay, so that funny. picture of him, he looks um, like he is a known asshole, but he looks so good. He's he's hot. 
I'm yeah. just going to say it. He's gets he's like a fine wine. He is oh, yeah. only getting better. 100%. Okay. Off topic. So she goes to, um, oh, actually, you know what? She's walking with Shoshana and she says something that I think defines her really well, that having a job is really hard because you have to be there every day, even if you don't want to. And she does today, but she's not sure about tomorrow. And I think that really describes her where she's like, right now I am okay with this, but my feeling might change on a dime tomorrow. And I want to live a life where I can do that. And that's, psychosis we don't we live in a society also like welcome to life jessa yeah <laughs> do you, no one wants to go to work every day but you do i don't know maybe and i'm too bourgeois i do jessa. think we learn something important about her when she tells the dad i used to run away and tell lies and he asks her what the lie was and you expect it's going to be something fanciful like I met a prince or I rode a unicorn or, you know, whatever. And it's that my mom is a good mom and we're best friends. And that's really sad. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I, f- I felt for her in that moment, even though I still don't like her. But I it it's it's telling because it explains a lot. Yes. You get the sense then that she probably had to take care of herself, probably pretty young. And I believe if I'm remembering correctly, they introduce a sister of hers later that she has kind of a contentious relationship with the rest. Are they all only children? Cause there's really no mention of siblings on this show. Yeah, I think so. Which is not sure. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as from two only children here, it seems like it's weird. Cause I don't remember when I was in college meeting that many only children. Agreed. I don't know that many. You and, and everyone Hannah. was like, Oh, you must be so strange. Cause you're an only child. I'm like, you're strange. What kind of way is that to meet someone? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So they bring Shoshana and Jessa. Um, they run into the guy from Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Who looks like a baby face, but also exactly the same. Yeah. He's a cutie. And he and Shoshana flirt about being at Jewish Sleepaway camp. camp. And it's very cute. But also cringy. I also had a hard time watching that whole exchange. True. I, I liked it, though. It was pure in like a young person's way. I don't know. Did, what, what was cringy to you? I, it's just more of the same of being unabashedly like, oh, that thing you did when we were little was really cool. And it's not cool, but he thinks it's cool because he wants to sleep with her. So, I yes, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But, you know, that's better. I, I where I'll go, where I'll give it to him is that's better. That's better than like negging, right? Like, you know, yes, fluff, yes. Make her feel fluff. Like, be nice. Do say some compliment. Don't cut down. So it's like if that's what I'd rather be complimented to get me into bed than cut down. That's true. That's true. Okay, so let's let's give it to him there. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we'll take it away later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Jessa runs into dad and uncle played by Horatio Sands, another little kind of SNL. Um, I know. I was like, is that Horatio Sands? <laughs> sure is. Who is freshly out of rehab, as the kids point out. They also kind of shame the dad. The dad says, you know, we got to go talk about business or something or talk about work. And the kids say, what are you talking about? You don't have a job. These kids know too much. Yeah. They're too involved. And it makes sense that that little girl wrote a novel about AA and like mm-hmm. it makes yeah. sense. These kids are not 
they're not having a childhood and they're too involved. Exactly what you said. And then there's that weird moment. I'm blanking on what Jessa says, but she reassures him from like across the street and she's like holding the kids like a harried mother. Yeah. And it's like she's playing mom and playing wife. It's weird. She says, Terry, don't quit before the miracle. What is that a callback to? Maybe I missed it. My, I think it's something about like rehab or AA. Oh, okay. It must, it must be. It must be because they don't reference. That's not like in a conversation earlier that they had, right? And Terry is the uncle that she just met. Yeah. Okay. And so I think she's saying like, don't give up on sobriety. I don't know. Cause I know she goes to rehab later and I don't know if she's been before or not. I can't remember what they that would make out about that. But, and then obviously he says, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Their little like rehash after she leaves is funny. Yeah. A little dark, but probably true to life. Yeah. She then goes, she takes the kids to the park and I actually do think says something wise. A woman should know when she's not wanted. Yeah, that's true. And I think about that a lot with kind of like overstaying your welcome in a conversation, allowing people to like move on from talking to you and like gracefully giving them an out. I don't know. I'm a big like leave them wanting more fan over like staying in. something. That's also a lesson throughout like lingering too long in a relationship lingering too long in something like no one it's time to cut cut it this is so good it's so so far girls is introducing people of color as in these like spaces of work it's really yeah. the only people of color that we've seen so far and with this scene with jessa at the park it, it, it looks like a college admission photo shoot where you literally have a black woman, one of each. an Asian woman, a <laughs> Hispanic woman, and then a redheaded man. <laughs> yeah, why is that ginger there? Is that offensive? I'm sorry. <laughs> why is that redheaded man there? <laughs> why is that soulless ginger there? <laughs> My guess is he his purpose is to expose instantly how silly Jessa's union idea is, given that she doesn't even know what a charter is. Right. Um, So I think that's just his narrative function. But my guess is, oh, look, like all these different types of nannies. There's even a manny um, type thing, I I think is the idea. But somebody there, she's talking to the other nannies and they are surprised to learn that she is also a nanny. They assume she was an actress with a, you know, with a baby. And she says, no, I'm just like you guys. Which Garbage. Absolute bullshit. And because she she doesn't think she's just like them, which is what makes it ridiculous, because actually, no, you are. You are working as in child care and you're sort of intersecting with a very wealthy set, but it's not your world. And she thinks she can play in that world, but it's not really her world. So she is just like them. Where she isn't like them is that she sucks at her job. That's true. She's terrible at her job. Yeah. Yeah. She is the one who is irresponsible, not paying attention. And so, yeah, she does. She kind of pulls like a white savior move and says that they should organize a union, that she would be willing to take a pay cut for the benefit of the group. Oh, garbage. Mm -hmm. I don't think that. Yeah, she's full of it. Oh, completely. And but all the nannies know that, like, if you look at those actors, like watching her, how they're 
you know, how the action goes. They know she's full of shit. Completely. They don't, they're not buying it for a second. They found the kids in two seconds. <laughs> yeah. They're, they were great. They were the yeah. saviors of the episode. Yeah. Or not yeah. the, sorry, not the saviors of the episode, but saviors of that in, in moment and environment. And then we kind of already, we just to wrap up Jess's storyline, we sort of already talked about it a little bit, but we are kind of reintroduced to the babysitting storyline by Catherine Hahn and the dad stumbling in, making out. And where I did, where I do see why, I think that very short scene did a really good job at explaining why those characters are where they were at in their marriage. Mm-hmm. where clearly they were like things were escalating like the foreplay was on you know like they were having a moment and then the mom instantly when she learns the kids are up and they're kind of going to be difficult about bedtime she instantly folds and says you know mommy and daddy's bed and so you know any like hope right the int- where the intimacy is gone exactly and also they're being into each other it makes it a little more understandable that like, oh, I can see like their chemistry and how they were sort of how they're a couple in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. It helped make them make sense. Because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Anyway. Anyway. She should get a better husband. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Or just not have one. It'll be easier. Her life will be easier. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Did you watch The League? No. It's that's where like kind of I think a lot of people learned about Paul Shear, Nick Kroll, that whole group. And it's about these guys in a fantasy football league. It's very funny. And Nick Kroll clearly does not really want to be spending that much time. He has a very hot wife um, and then doesn't really want to be spending a lot of time with his kid. And at some point they make a joke about divorce. And he's like, I would never do that because right now I can be 50%, 50% of the time with the kid. But if we get a divorce, I have to be 100%, 50% of the time. So anyway, that's what they can that's what they can look forward to. That's a troubling truth. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get the very sad. She confesses that she did lose them to the dad. And he tells a story to make her feel better. Did you ever did your mom ever lose you? Did you ever like hide or run away? No, I was attached to them at the hip. I think I inadvertently would like lose myself like but not I was like had panic attacks as a kid if I couldn't see someone I was related to in my immediate eyeline. Oh my God, that's so pure. That's so cute. Is it? I had a panic attack because I went down a slide and then my dad was trying to find me. He was only a few feet away, but I couldn't see him. And I started hysterically crying at like a playground. Oh. I, it's still a traumatic memory for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I once hid under a rolling rack of coats at Nordstrom. Oh, so that's the, a good like, hiding spot, right? The coats came all the way down to the ground. So my mom could not see me and freaked. I think she got like mall security involved. Um, and I think they made an announcement and it was a whole fucking mess. But I was just like right there. I was just under the coats. <laughs> it's a little evil of you, but that's I fun. I don't think I did it again. No, no, um, no. I like that your mom was like, not fooling around, calling security, lock this place down. Oh, of course, please. Yeah. My, mom, my mom is in a casual, like, she's probably around. Let's poke around for a minute. She'll turn up. No, instantly authorities involved. Yeah. But no, I do think some kids, like, one of my mom said that one of my, um, one of my uncles was like a runner. Oh, no. Yeah. And so I guess my grandparents, progressive, got a leash. And this was in the 70s. 
Wow. Yeah. They got a leash in the 70s for their they child. They brought it back from like Amsterdam or like something. Like they of course, it it's from- European. Yeah, it was definitely <laughs> European. And my mom was like, the looks in the little small town that she, it was not good. But he would run into traffic and shit. You know what? You got to do what you got to do. As long as the kid survives until adulthood, like that's all that matters. Yeah, I'm pro leash. Anyway. Okay. Oh, I am anti leash, but. You have to be pro whatever's going to keep your child alive. So fair. Yes. (laughs) He's a runner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, let's do let's do Shoshana. So she reconnects with this camp boy, invites him over for Netflix and chill. And she is the most sloppy sexual encounter ever. I think I find this a really interesting scene because he sucks and yet i think he does the right thing yeah i I, it would not have been right to have sex with her also because he knows he's just in it for the sexual encounter he's not in it for anything long term so he does do the honorable thing in a shitty delivery correct and it's funny because again like on the one hand she is a willing participant she says she wants it I, I do think, even though he seems scummy in other ways, for example, I really enjoyed that she wrote him to say, like, oh, yeah, it's really weird. I like to go down on women. Yeah. And that should not be a weird thing. <laughs> and but so, the way he says it and how he's clearly not good at it exactly. is like, Ex- and you could tell from her face because there's a moment where she starts to laugh. That is exactly, I completely agree. I think that is such a good, because any man that says it's weird, I like to go down on women. Is it weird, Greg, or whatever your name is? Oh, yeah, what is his name? (laughs) I don't even fucking know. Who cares? (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) Um, Did you say Greg? Because that's that comedian's bit about meeting Greg after 36 years. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't know. It's in my, the recesses of my mind as the ultimate, like, annoying man name yeah sorry to all the gregs all one male listener of you yeah i'm pretty sure is my husband (laughs) qaing the levels that he helps me edit (laughs) excellent um but yeah so he i think to your point he's he's saying the right things but he doesn't mean it right like he doesn't like oh it's weird i like to go down on women like it's sort of an act and you're not even good at it, dude. So like, what, what are we doing here? True. It is all fully a performance. The idea of like anyone being attached to him is comical. I will say, cause that's his big yeah. concern that she's going to get attached. Who's attached leave. to him? No one, no one wants no. you, sir. So he rejects her, which she's clearly disappointed by, but I'm like, hun, he saved you from yourself. Yeah. Um, because to your point, he's, only in it for this and if she ends up wanting to have casual sex as she is is her right this is not like that's not the time to do it i think yeah and i think he's sort of in comparison with a lot of the men that show up on this show where they come across as really kind in the moment they're saying all the things but they're not actually doing the right things And I think sex is an easy example for this. Like, you know, the scumbag thing to do would be to reassure her, sleep with her and then never talk to her again. And that's an easier path. 
And he doesn't do that. And it hurts her feelings in the moment. But, you know, it was the right thing. Yeah. And I think this gets to the idea. Uh, like, he was honest. He was like, I, I don't do that. We're not. I'm not going to yeah. do that. You know, he and to your point, he got to the right conclusion, maybe not in the best way, but he solved the he solved the math problem using the wrong, you know, set of operations. Um, Shoshana's resilient. She'll get over it. Yeah, she'll bounce back. Should we go to the boys? Yeah, this is bad. It starts off on a funny scene where they're singing a ridiculously terrible song. Ugh. It's so bad. It's so bad. So, okay, I want to talk about this for a second because I know that your husband plays music. Yes. And has he ever like played music to you? No. How would you feel about that? Well, I bought him a guitar for his 30th birthday. And I said, as payment, I want you to write a song about me. That's cute. Because this is my right. And I got this for you. And I am a great gift giver. I'm still waiting on that song. <laughs> because he he's he says that like it's too he feels like too much pressure and he can't do it. But he like jams out and does improv and does cool stuff. And I'm like, where's my fucking song, dude? But anyway, he doesn't. I like to do like a showtime where I demand that he replay something for me and then I clap. Nice. Um, I don't think he enjoys it, but I find his discomfort enjoyable. Okay. So, and to, you also have requested it, which I think is good. Yeah. Um, I have oh, had a, a forced concert is never good. I was going to say, <laughs> I have had a man in the nude. <laughs> oh no. Give a, give a concert. And I was like, I really don't want to be here. <laughs> was it like in Forrest Gump with Jenny, like playing in the nude, that uncomfortable scene? Can I tell you something? I've never seen Forrest Gump. <gasps> I mean, uh, I'm of two minds. Like Forrest Gump is a not great film, but it is like a classic that everyone should see once. I know. I feel like it gets referenced just so often that you need to see it because you are a pop culture aficionado. And sure. the fact that you can't reference Forrest Gump is just, you know, I know, tragedy. I know that he runs and I know that there's a box of chocolates and I know that he sits on a bench. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a box of chocolates and he sits on a bench. So like, I got it. <laughs> right. I mean, in the way that the facts are right, but the spirit is missing. <laughs> okay. Fine. When you come visit me after we get uh, wine drunk in Napa, we can watch Forrest Gump. Okay. That sounds, that's a good deal. I'll, I'll sign on to that. Okay. Um, I trust you recommend it. You've recommended good things to me. I really enjoyed that BJ Novak podcast movie. But yeah, so they're writing this song, something about Keds. Horrible. And where are you going in those Keds? Or something like that. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> um, and then Ray says, and I'll do uh, like a sweeping motion on the drum as the send out. Of course he plays the fucking bongos. Yeah. Oh. This is, I have overwritten Ray in my mind with whatever he is becomes in the later seasons because I fucking hated him in this episode. He's a he's an asshole. Yeah. He's he's a problem. Like the way he talks about them is nasty. Yeah, he's like uh what's the term for like those dudes who are very sexist who like play video games in the basement? Uh, what are they called? Yeah, incels. <laughs> he's like an incel, but he's not good enough at it to be an incel. Yeah. 
his character is how did he become friends with Charlie? He is much older than them. I I mean, Charlie's weird. He's like Charlie's id. I feel like he says and does all the stuff that Charlie wants to, but his nice guy persona doesn't let him. Yeah. And the diary is another example of that. Very true. Charlie had the right instincts on the diary, but it's so sad to me that Charlie saying, um, he's like, Marnie's been in such a bad mood. I want to make her happy. And I want by doing something nice for her. Oh, and, and like, building a restoration her, hardware dupe. Oh, it's going to make so, her so angry. Kind. Oh, but it's such a nice, it is a nice thing. Yeah. But he again, lets Ray like go through all of their shit. Because he wants to do it, but he doesn't want to be the one to do it. Yes, I agree with you. But yeah, the, the thing about Ray saying, like, you need to, like, tie her to a bedpost and, like, whip her was, like, very dark. That's the incel thing. Yes, totally agreed. And then he starts rifling through their stuff. He finds what he believes are crotchless panties and then realizes they're just holes, which I thought was funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he finds Hannah's diary. I think it's unrealistic that this would happen. I, I I accept that it did, but I think this whole side plot is a little too unhinged that I, I just don't buy it. Well, did, did you ever keep a diary? Mm-mm. So I didn't either. And I wonder if our reaction is the reaction of someone who's never used a diary as sort of an outlet to process feelings and share things. Oh, wait, to be clear, what I think is absurd is somebody going through it and then performing it as like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Sorry. Not right. Cause I was going to say like, I would never write that stuff in my diary, but I also don't keep a diary. So here's the thing. I would text it. Oh yeah. I and think so that's true. Is the analog the idea of somebody going through your phone, like a partner going through your phone. That's a great point. That would be the like version of this storyline if it were made today. I agree with you. And so then it becomes by it. Then I buy it. And so it, yeah. if, if that is, and obviously it is certainly written more stylistically. Cause I think she was obviously kind of trying to write something yes, with yes. that. Um, like heal the stump. Like I would never text like that, but this is stuff I would say. The spirit of it is a hundred percent things that we've all said to our friends in text message. Like, you know, your mutual friends, you're like, can can you believe Rourke is doing that? She should just like cut them loose. Exactly. I don't know that kind of thing. And what's really interesting to me is when it does get read out loud. So we know, you know, what Ray, uh, what Ray was consuming. All of that stuff is stuff Marnie has heard her say to her face. Mm. None of that is new information to Marnie in terms of what Hannah's thoughts are. Yeah. But the only things that are different are pen has now been put to paper. So there's something It's a betrayal that Hannah has used it as like fodder in her own writing. Right. And then obviously I think the water, the drink toss is so, so, so misplaced where I really don't think Hannah has done anything wrong here. Hannah has not done anything wrong. Ray and Charlie did something like don't fuck around because you're going to find out like don't read someone's diary if you really want to know the truth literally perfectly said yeah fuck around and find out if you want to be i think i was talking to you about this when like about somebody i was dating where it's like if you want to be nancy drew you will find something (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, it's true. Like, don't read something that's not meant for you because you're going to learn new information that is not going to be agreeable. Mm-hmm. And, some and it- performing it is unhinged in this weird, like... That's crazy. And to, I have to believe that it was, like, Ray's idea... Because I, I just don't think Charlie comes up with this plan. I, I think it's one of those things like like Ray didn't really want him to see it. And then I think once he saw it, Ray is going into his like bro thing of like, well, what are you going to do about it? Like, are you going to confront her? Yeah. Well, she's going to be, you know, that kind of thing. This is the the performance is for me, the cuckoo bananas A moment. Thousand percent that like instead of confronting her privately, like just breaking up with like anything any of those anything is better than this this is absolutely the cuckoo bananas moment so now let's go to sort of like the moment that we've kind of been saving which is the hannah at adam's door doorway monologue that i think is probably one of the things that i quote the most to this day and i totally forgotten it was in this episode and i'd also forgotten that I tend to like quote, like I mentioned them, I tend to quote them separately, but I've, she says them in the same kind of co- like moment, which is the, I don't want a boyfriend, but I do want someone who's obsessed with me. And then <laughs> we live close enough where if you want me to look at your dick, I'll come over and look at your dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, before we started recording, I was saying to you that this is, it's such a great, female lead monologue that this was just you know that actresses as you said probably from 2012 to 2015 were using this as their audition monologue um and i get why it has a great range of emotion for people not watching with us i do want to like read a cup like a little bit of it so to give enough context so she shows up at his door and this scene i really relate to because I have tried to break up with somebody that I think is like known for being very charming and very charismatic and how hard it is to stand your ground in those moments and not get sucked Mm -hmm. back in. And so like this whole thing was, I got, I, I had really also forgotten the end of it, which was like, I really care about you and I don't want to anymore because it feels too shitty. And that is, I can like feel that in my stomach. Like I know that feeling so well. Anyway, so she comes there and her purpose is to say is to break up that she says it makes me feel stupid and pathetic to get a picture of your dick that I know was meant for someone else. And you didn't even bother to explain because I made you think that you don't have to explain. Let's just talk. Unpack that. Oh, oh, I mean, so true. There's a lot of truth in there. It's brutal. She really is insightful about her feelings. That's the thing. Yes, totally. And I think it's a good example, too, of how a conversation I have with other single female friends, uh, you know, about dating and how men treat us is I always say behavior is communication as much as communication is communication. And if this person is she has through her behavior told him that he doesn't owe her anything. There was so much about this speech that I felt like. I wanted to applaud her because this is like actually the growth and the self-reflection and putting sort of deliberate thought into action in a way that's uplifting and empowering. And then, you know, and then she does the thing she always does, which is totally like 
cut off her legs from out under her. Yeah, just biffs it. But yeah, so Adam asks, what are you asking? She says, I'm not asking for anything, da 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 um, She says, I don't even want a boyfriend. He says, what do you want? And then she says, I just want someone who wants to hang out all the time and thinks I'm the best person in the world and wants to have sex with only me. And it makes me feel very stupid to tell you this because it makes me sound like a girl who wants to like go to brunch and I really don't want to go to brunch and I really don't want you to like sit on the couch while I shop or even like meet my friends. I don't even want that. It sounds like she does kind of want that though. A thousand percent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that to me is like, that's what it means to like find someone you want to be with is like someone that thinks you're cool and then wants to hang out with you all the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it's exactly what she wants. And I think she's getting to your point. She's getting closer and closer to standing in her feelings and saying what she really wants, but we're not there yet. And she's also not going to stand by it yet. She says something that's really true and powerful and she is insightful about herself. And she does have self-awareness. That's what this scene shows me. Yeah. And I think that to your point, she's understanding she's so much closer to saying what she wants, but she can't go. She's 98% of the way there. Right. Where she's fully describing a boyfriend, but trying to still be the cool girl. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, like I said, I sort of already said the other great two parts from this, which is, and also I don't want a picture of your dick because I live very near you. So if you wanted me to look at your dick, I could just come over and look at your dick. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Valid. As a writer, I think she does a good job at breaking up. This is a long monologue. Like I'm looking at somebody who's typed out, somebody did this typed out and I'm looking at it. It's long. And she, I think it's really smart to break it up with something funny like that right in the middle. Yeah. Um, Cause it starts obviously with a big emotional disclosure and then it ends with one too, which is that, and you must think I'm even stupider than you already thought I was, which is oh so sad, but consider it a testament to your charms because you might not know this, but you are very, very charming and I really care about you and I don't want to anymore because it feels too shitty for me. So I'm going to leave. Oh, that's like, leave, leave, do it. Yes. Then (laughs) walk away. It's like when, um, when Carrie walks away from big and then turns around and she's like, it would have been so much cooler if I didn't turn around. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Oh, I just, and then they hook up and it's like, I know she undoes all of the growth that she has in that moment. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, Adam's point is valid when he says, I just want you to be you and where she's falling short in terms of standing up for herself, I think is being her is being somebody that wants to become attached and have a commitment and a partner like in whatever that looks, she can script what that looks like for her. It doesn't have to involve brunch, right? Like maybe that's not like she's probably is seeing Marnie and Charlie and is like, all they do is fucking like lay around and secretly hate each other and you know, whatever. So she's like, I don't want to become that, but I do want this to be real in a way that it's not. And she can't live up to that. I do think her monologue thaws him a little bit because he has a, he, I mean, they have the joke about like the selfie that she sent him and how weird it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. Also, it makes Um, me think there's more that they didn't show us because of him the cucumber comment yeah Uh, yeah yeah i I think that there was something else (laughs) Uh, um 
he says, yeah, like he says the thing of like, don't I don't I want you to just be who you are. And he loves it that she challenges him and sort of it's like a moment of he sees how she really feels. And that's actually what's attractive to him. Yes. I mean, he's still a dick, but. You know. Yeah, he will transform. Um, but no, I'm excited for the next episode. If I remember correctly, I think it starts out like so right now the t- time has been very confusing where I don't quite know how many days are passing between each episode. Yeah, but I, my memory is that the next episode starts like an hour after and they're all fighting in the apartment about what Hannah has written in the diary with Charlie and everything. I think that's how the next episode starts. And like, they very immediately deal with the fallout. Um, But yeah, it's a, it's in, in that way, it's a bit of a cliffhanger ending and also a complete polar opposite to them hugging and dancing together as the last moment of episode three from that her reaction to that still i think is totally feels off it happens so quickly she throws that drink in hannah's face and just feels like it was not well executed i do i do think it's a good example of and we do this all the time just living life is like the misattribution of blame yeah where clearly this relationship is even though she's really struggling in it and not happy and absolutely needs to end it both for her and his benefit is something that is like defining to her about her. Like it is a way that she structures her life that she is a like, I could see herself just feeling like she defined and this will, I think bear out. She really defines herself in relation to men and like being in a relationship. And so I think for her, she can't blame Charlie, even though he's a, to blame for the privacy violation. And she certainly can't look at herself yet. Yeah. I mean, the only they blame Hannah, but it's not Hannah's fault. It, not at all. Yeah. No, for once, actually, Hannah's really not in the explicit wrong. Here. One of the rare moments, it's not Hannah's yeah. fault. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think it's safe to say, so we agree on Cuckoo Bananas. It's safe to say that our, I think our favorite line is probably from that monologue. But no, this was actually a better episode than I remembered it. I remember hating this episode because of the diary of it all. I think it's just very, it's not triggering because I've never had this happen to me. But I I don't like that feeling of having such a violation and then have it be so public. And I think that's what makes it really unsettling. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Good app. Good summary. Yeah, it was you know, I didn't enjoy watching the episode, but I think it's a good episode, if that makes sense. I agree. And it's funny where talking about it has made me like it more. Like, I think that processing it with you makes me come around. I also think it's one of those funny things where sometimes if I really enjoy watching the episode, it's harder to talk about. It's the episodes that have a lot of uh, friction and contentious sort of moments that are actually more interesting to talk about. Yeah. Grist for the mill. At the end of this, we need to do a super cut of like all of the little like sayings. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Um, one of our five fans can (laughs) make that. Yeah. yeah. All five of you can, uh, can, contribution um so next episode will be episode five it's called hard being easy and in terms of i've finally figured out our recording to release schedule to be able to call for questions if you would like to ask questions email them to girlsgirlspod at gmail.com but you're gonna have to go a little ahead of us so at this point we will be accepting questions 
if you're hearing this, about episode six, The Return. And it won't be weird for you, listener. It's only weird for us because we have to think in the future. But for you, it's normal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On that note, goodbye. Okay. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) 